Welcome to Shorts with Jill and Tara, a bite-sized podcast that blends business and fashion to bring you practical tips and strategies in a shorter format than a typical podcast. I'm Jill, and I've spent my career advising, starting, and running businesses. I'm Tara, a family therapist turned fashion stylist and a digital creator. Shalom, Tara. <laughs> well, hello. I wasn't expecting that, but I'll take it. <laughs> Let me just switch up my greeting. I'm getting tired of the, the hi, Tara. <laughs> um, so again, not to surprise you, but I have another pet peeve I need to share. I just have to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the end. I won't do any more pet peeves after this. Well, first of all, I don't believe that, but let's hear it. <laughs> okay. So the use of LOL and happy faces. Okay. Let's just talk about this for a second. I'm fine if it's genuine. I'm fine if somebody's like, you send something funny and they send back something that says LOL. That's funny. That's great. Fine. Here is where I cannot stand it when they're writing you a snarky note and in order to make it quote unquote less snarky or less disrespectful they write lol happy face happy face and it is just so annoying because it's like you know what you can't talk to people that way and even if you put 17 happy faces and lols i don't care you can't speak to someone like that well that's very passive aggressive extremely I don't, I don't do passive aggressive. I don't like that in my life. And I, I, I get it. I don't do that. Mm-mm. It's terrible. And I think, you know, that's an extreme example that did happen to me yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's an extreme example. And it's, it is the same culprit almost every time where it's just, there's just an attitude and just the, you throw in a few emojis and an LOL and it's all good. No, but I, I do notice a lot of people will sit will say something and then put lol at the end because they don't want to like own the statement they don't want to they don't want to they want to soften what they're saying well then don't say it or say something different like i, I don't think they're trying to be disrespectful or mean or rude or whatever but they it's like they think that just by adding lol at the end of the sentence it sort of like negates or it softens what they said well yeah i mean you're like you just said it's it's just like they want to stop they actually know what they're doing that's why they do it because yes. they know the tone that it's coming across. So they're trying to soften it. So just don't say it. No, just don't say it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel a lot better now that <laughs> I got that off my chest. Yeah. Well, we also do therapy here, even though I, just to know, I don't have my license anymore, but I'm still available for some for Jill. Okay, well then good, because this is very, this is, this is helpful because I have a question for you before we dive into the meat of this nine minute podcast, which is I have lost my motivation to shop. What do I do? So like, as an example, real life, you sent me a bunch of shoe recommendations. I wanted to get a sh- some, a, some pair of shoes for the summer. That's not sneakers or like regular flat sandals. And, um, and so you sent me like a whole list of potential recommendations. And I actually looked at them online. I also went to stores, but I walk into the store and I'm like, I just have like zero desire to try on shoes. Nothing interests me. It's like, I've completely lost my shopping mojo. What do I do? 
Well, do you think, because a lot of people are feeling this way, and I have to say, including myself, I haven't found like a lot of things that I like, and I'm very picky, you know, but I know when I like it, I'll buy it. You know, I don't have a ton of clothes. People think I do, but I'm very specific in what I buy because I have to love it, but I haven't even seen things I really love. Do you think it's partly that you just haven't, nothing's connected with you enough to want to buy it? Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it because I know when I get excited about a pair of shoes, for example, it's because there's something like really cool about them. And there are a few, there's a brand that I saw at Bloomingdale's, I'm going to forget now what it is, but Kurt something, but, um, and they, and, and they have those shoes had like really cool, like rainbow, like cool elements on them, but they were not, they weren't exactly the, the, the sort of look I was looking for, but yeah. And I just don't see a lot of like really unique, interesting styles. It's all the same. It's like the wedge, the espadrille. They're all like meh colors, black and tan. And like, just like, I want to barf. They're so boring. And it's just like, I don't want to buy it just because I need like a high heel. It's just not, it's just not that interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. I just don't know if there's just a lot to spark your interest right now. So I don't really think, I think you just haven't found that. And so in this season's a little tough, you know, uh, stores are getting things later and I think it's picking up now, but you know, a lot of people have been at stores and calling me and there's like nothing to shop for. So I think we have to give it time, but I, you know, keep your eye out. I know it's frustrating, but when you connect with it, cause I know you'll send me like 15 pictures of a sneaker. <laughs> I appreciate it, but, um, but you'll find it, but I'm feeling the same way if it makes you feel any better. I mean, I've just been trying to find something to, you know, I'm going to California. I want something easy peasy, but cute. And a lot of it's a little too young for me too. I got to be honest. It's like, I can't wear some of the stuff. So it's a tricky, it is a little bit of a tricky season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. I feel better that there are other people who are also not motivated to shop. Um, So today we are going to answer another question that came in from one of our listeners, which it deals more with kind of the business side of our podcast and is, is really about the question is um, about how to balance sort of focusing versus big opportunities. So with a lot of companies, particularly startups, um, you have to start somewhere. And the question is, look, I have a product in a particular market, but there's a lot of opportunity beyond this one product and beyond this one market. And so how should I be spending my time today? Should I be kind of thinking about the big picture and really like trying to look at all avenues, all ways to grow, you know, or should I be focusing on this one product, one market that I'm, that I'm currently working on that's like sitting right in front of me? And how do I balance those two perspectives? Um, so it's really, it's an interesting question because, you know, forever, like the, I think the, the most important thing when you're when you're in business, when you're particularly in a startup is focus. You have limited resources and you cannot be running around looking at 17 different markets, 17 different products. You have to really focus and prove out your, your idea on one product or one market. So focus is really important, but if you are trying to raise money, if you are trying to, um, you know, build a strategy, a long-term strategy, which you should be, um, you do have to keep the 
bigger opportunity in your sites. So um, what's helpful is to do kind of a surface look at the bigger, bigger opportunity. So like, um, you know, what are the markets? How big could they be? How could you go into those markets with products that are extensions of what you do now, but not spend a ton of time day-to-day operationally working on that stuff? You would want to spend most of your day-to-day time on proving out what you have now and then it'll be much easier to say, okay, can I take this product or this concept, the service that I've been working on right now and extend it out? The only thing that you might run into is if you are, if you are so focused on what you're doing today that you make decisions that then prevent you from going after the bigger market. That is something you have to watch out for, but that's, it's simple enough to kind of sit down, think about that for a few hours and just kind of keep it somewhere so that you have it in mind as you're cranking out your current product. Um, but it's definitely a tricky a tricky balance. And I think one that will trip up a lot of founders because they have to balance fundraising and pitching to investors where they want to hear about the $100 million business and really what they have going on in the office, which is like a $1 million business. And they, they really have to balance those two. So it's, that's a very interesting point. And I, I was, I'm trying to think of that just to bring it to like my business for a minute. And I think sometimes, well, I've heard people say, do one thing and do it well. So when I translate that to my business, you could say I do too many things because I do what a blog, I do this, I do Instagram, I do styling and all of these things. And, but I feel like for a business like mine, you almost need to do all of these different things because, well, I enjoy them. Number one, number two is I want to, I want to do all these other things, but to have a presence in all of these areas is important. But do you think sometimes it is better to focus on one thing and do it well? Well, it depends how you define the thing, because one thing could be you're a digital creator and a stylist and those go together. Like I kind of see that as one thing and the way that you run that business is through a bunch of channels. And so you've got a blog, you've got a podcast, you've got your, your Instagram, you've got brand relations. Like it's, there are a bunch of different kind of tentacles from that one thing. So I think you actually are doing the one thing well and where you where you need to like stretch a little, where it's like uncomfortable, you usually get help for that. So you don't, I don't, I don't feel like with you specifically, I don't feel like you actually, you actually kind of get too deep in the water, you know, outside of your core business. But you think that when people are start a startup or something that sometimes they want to go to that bigger picture too fast, or are they sometimes scared or that is what they do? Well, I think yeah. it's a little both, but I, yes, I think that, you know, the, it, in particular with the digital business, cause it's, it's, it's on the surface so easy to have that website accessible from any country, for example, I'm just using countries as markets. It could be industries instead of countries, but, um, but you have to think through like, how are you going to actually execute in that country? And it's not just about if you have an e-commerce business, for example, not just about delivering distribution, that stuff. It's about how you're going to do customer service. How do you, how are you going to understand the needs of that market? How, like it, it's, there's like a whole mushrooming effect every time you add um, a market depending on the business. But 
So I think it's very easy to bite off more than you can chew and overextend yourself. I would much rather see, and I think the conventional wisdom in business is to really prove out, prove yourself out in one market, if it's a physical business or in, um, you know, it might be one set of features or one product, um, but just proving like something that you can draw a circle around and say, I did this. I said I was going to do this. I set these goals. I hit the goals and now I can move to the next thing. And then when you, when you're working with investors or you want investors, then you have a plan though of what you see for the future, but that's not you haven't necessarily executed it yet, but you do want to have a plan. You absolutely want to have a plan because they, they are going to want to see how much potential there is in the market. And so they want to know that you're thinking about that, that, um, but that you're not getting distracted necessarily by it, but you are thinking about it and planning for it and shooting for it. You just need some money to get there. So I have so many questions, but all right. So when somebody comes to you and presents an idea or their, you know, business, are these all questions that you go down the road with them um, when you're working with a client? I'm so curious, like, or have they already thought of all these things? How does that work? Yes. Yes. And yes. Um, A lot of times they haven't thought about it. A lot of times they what I, what I typically see is somebody has built a great little business, um, because of a a need that they saw in the market and they will go build that business. Um, but then they kind of have to take a few steps back because they're, they're at the point where they need to go raise money, for example, and they have to tell a story. And so they have to tell investors, you know, why this business is important. What's the problem they're solving? Why are they the right people to do it? What are they doing? Um, and what is their understanding of the market and how, and how do they know people are going to buy it? And then some of the kind of detailed economics around customer acquisition and lifetime value and concepts like that, that a lot of first time entrepreneurs just don't, they just, it's, it's just doesn't like, they just want to know how much they have in their bank account. So like how much revenue am I getting and what are my costs? And that's how much I have. And so, um, but concepts like, customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, those are really important to understand how to scale your business, how scalable it is, how can you make money at a bigger size? Because maybe today you're getting all sorts of stuff for free because you're small and you're able to do that. And But as you grow and you need more and more and more, that's not going to be the case. So you have to kind of prove out that you are going to be able to grow this profitably. So yeah, I mean, oftentimes I will um, kind of, I, I always want to help help businesses move to the next step wherever they're going. So I will start that work with them. But in the process, we might revisit some of the earlier decisions or some of the stuff that might be missing in the foundation of the business. But I I never want to say like, stop everything and go back and let's restart it. I always want to move people forward. And if in that process, we have to do a little bit of extra work to catch up stuff that wasn't done, then we do that. Very helpful, Jill. So interesting. <laughs> so you have, well, you have helped so many businesses. It must be exciting to watch them take off and like flourish. Is it? It, it is. It's so fun. I mean, in particular, 
the business that I ran with uh, Laura Bronner, Gloss 48, which is a beauty business, um, we, we kind of incubated these independent beauty brands. And now I see them at Sephora. I see them on Shark Tank. I see them like all over. And it's, it's so great to see that even though our business didn't succeed, it was great to, um, it's great to see that the, the brands we, we involved in the business are succeeding. So it's really gratifying, but I just want to thank everybody for writing in these questions. These are great um, questions and we'll answer more in future episodes. So please leave them. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would love to answer any of your questions on future episodes of Shorts. Bermuda Shorts. Jean Shorts. Short Shorts. Boy Shorts. Tennis Shorts. Cargo Shorts. Seated Shorts. Running Shorts. Warp Shorts.